think we need to deal with, with discipline in a very positive way. Um, I think sitting them in a corner or standing in, them in a corner is is kind, it's okay, okay, this is going to sound crazy. I think if, as much of the discipline that can be done outside of the classroom as possible, it's better, okay? It is not good for a child to be reprimanded necessarily in front of all of their peers. That's very embarrassing. We don't like that. We'd hate that if Brother Stroud or Sister Stroud or Brother Leroy called attention to some of your bad deeds in front of all your other peers. Wouldn't you feel pretty embarrassed and, and belittled? That's the same as the children feel that's not good for their ego and, and their self-worth that makes them feel very small. So I think as the situation arises, we have enough, we have enough teachers to be able to, one teacher who's not involved in whatever is going on at that present moment, to be able to take the child right then, you know, take the child, take the child very gently, not in a big huff, not saying anything. Um, they may not, after one or two times of this, they'll get the hint. When you take their hand to lead them out, they'll know why. <laughs> okay? But taking them out, even if it's in the hallway out there, so not to disturb anybody else, not so anybody else can hear. They're not embarrassed. Explain to them what they did. They already know, but explain to them what they did, okay? And then, if your policy is to let them stand in the corner for a minute, or two minutes, or whatever the age group needs, then that's fine. Or sit in the corner. Um, go to the office and visit Brother Leroy. <laughs> you know, whatever the age group needs um, but so that the disciplining is outside of the classroom as far as not in front of their peers it's very important because it takes a while for the other kids to calm back down it's an embarrassing situation it's not fair especially once they get out of, out of the nursery class it's even worse so um, I think you really need to be very careful of that. And I think we need to be very careful that we do it in a positive way, not ridiculing them, not putting them down personally, but say, what you did was very naughty. Not, you were bad, or you were naughty. What you did was naughty. They're not bad. They just did something naughty, you know. And there's a big difference to them being bad and what they do being bad. And we don't want... To, to make them feel that they are personally bad. Because there's enough things that they have to deal with in life that tells them that. And I think, um, so I think we, we need to be very careful. Everything needs to be very positive. We might have a, a corner, timeout corner, or, um, or um, a prayer chair, or something like that. Something real positive that doesn't belittle them or make them feel naughty or bad. You know what I'm saying? And then we as a teacher stay with them, maybe pray with them about it. Um, don't leave them alone, especially if they're little, to feel lonely and scared or sad, you know, because that's not good feelings to have either because they're still a part and you still love them. You want them to know that. That's important. Sister Jamie.
Yeah, all of the teachers with every single activity should be completely involved. This is one area that I have seen in our Sunday school that is very lacking, um, and we'll cover that later on in another night, and that's team teaching. I think the knowledge and understanding of team teaching is very lacking. That's not your fault at all, okay? We placed two or three teachers in a thing and said, team teach, and you don't know what it even means. You know, that's not hardly even an even fair thing to do. Um, but with every single activity, every single teacher should be on the spot right there. She shouldn't be off doing something else. Yeah. As soon as you see a, a kid, you know, start to disrupt like that, you should say something um, directly to him is the best way to do it. Like you're, ta- you're telling the story about David, David and Goliath. Just take a real simple, simple thing. And you say, and, and Shannon, what happened to Goliath? You know, ask a question at that point, get, and that'll get all their attention. And the one that wasn't paying any attention is going to be really embarrassed. I guarantee you for quite a while after that, you'll have that particular child's attention anyway. And then that is a very, very good clue and cue for the other teachers in the room to pay special attention to the problem area. So that if in the next three or four minutes another one, another problem arises that they can go and quietly sit between that child and the one he's talking to. Sit right by him. They won't say a word. You know, I mean, it works. And most of you guys got three teachers in there. That's even easier. You can almost put a teacher between kids, you know. <laughs> so it makes it real easy. <laughs> what else? Sister Angie. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think any parent would disagree with positive discipline in that way. I don't think we need to spank another person's child. I disagree with that, really. Um, but having them sit in the corner, if they have a disagreement with that, they need to see Brother Strout. You know, I tell Brother Leroy first, let him take it to where it needs to go. But that's, that's what I do. Because every child has to be disciplined. If the parent doesn't want their child disciplined, then the parent needs to keep the child with them. You know, because we have to have an organized, orderly Sunday school. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. Just a few. No, it'd be better outside. Even if it's on the other side of the outside panel. You know what I'm saying? Each of you have an outside panel. So that they're not in visible view. Because as long as they're in visible view, view they're going to be getting some kind of attention. The older the class, the more attention they're going to get. Whether it's somebody throwing something at them, or they're going to be peeking like this, and so-and-so's going to say, he's peeking. I mean, you know, the kid's eyes will be riveted right to that clown, and you don't want that. You're wanting the attention. So get the troublemaker out of the classroom as gently, as quietly, and peaceably as possible. Then he, then he won't have a show. It won't be any fun next time to get in trouble because he's not going to do it and get attention. You know, not not the clowny kind that he wants. So, anybody else? Does anybody have any questions as far as memory verse? How to teach memory verses and stuff, Sister Jeannie?
Okay, the best way to teach a memory verse, okay, the best way to do with anything with a kid or an adult is to make it fun. If it's not fun, they're not going to learn it. They're going to be bored. They just won't want to do it. You won't have any cooperation if it's not fun. If they're not enjoying it, you won't have any cooperation. So the, the thing you have to keep in mind is, especially with the Bible, make it interesting. Make it fun. Do games. There's all kinds of games you can play. Don't get in a rut because getting in a rut makes it boring again and you're defeating your purpose. No matter what, how fun the game was in the beginning, if you do it every other Sunday, it's not going to be fun after a while because it's not going to be variety and, and it'll easily get boring. Um, with older classes, maybe have them go off in groups and see how, give them five minutes to learn the memory verse. The first one that learns gets certain second one that learns it gets a certain other kind of prize they keep it little you know it won't have to be much none of you guys are you know you're not teaching an adult class or even a high school class you're teaching small kids so your prizes and things don't have to be real expensive um but give them an incentive of that sort you know what i'm saying um another thing is like um there's all sorts one one way is to put you ahead of time have have each word of the memory verse on a piece of paper just cut it out maybe hearts do it seasonal if it's you know or or do it characters or whatever that's going to go along with your theme and of decorating and stuff in your classroom whatever you're doing it could be fall leaves and on each leaf you have a different word of the memory verse it's scrambled up put it on a board like a um like a tag, well, not tag board, court board, something that you could put a, a, one of those stick pin things in and then have have them, there's different ways to do it, have them, have them see who can be the first one to um, put it all in the correct order, say maybe have gone over it a couple times before that as a group and say, now after this, we're going to have, say, have two or three different kinds of things like that where it's scrambled up. Maybe it's on paper or maybe it's on the ta- on the board or maybe it's on the chalkboard or whatever. And go over that memory verse, say, three or four times just as a group together. They don't all have to say it precisely, ding, 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 because that gets boring too. But so that they have actually recited it a few times. Maybe even let them, depending on your age group, let them read it out of their own Bible three or four different times. Give them, say, one or two minutes. Then say, okay, it's time to see if you can put it all together. Okay? And maybe put two per game for that particular um, memory verse and and have them unscramble the words and put them in the right order. Okay? Have different Have different looking game boards, even if it might be the same basic technique. Another way is to put put the, each word on a on a different piece of paper and um, have them scrambled up and have a ball of string attached to a top to the top of the board and with that ball of string they slowly unwind it and they take it and wind it around the tack the top of the tack of the first word and then take it and wind it around the top of the tack of the second word you guys following me probably should have brought the chalkboard up here for this so you could really get a picture of it. But until they have word by word put it in order with a string, then they can follow that string and they have to, you know, say it until they use that until they can really do it. Let them let them go from that. Let the kids mix it up. 
the next time, you know, the ones that are working right on there, let them mix it up and put it back together. And the next group has to put it back together. And they'll love it because they'll see how mixed up they can get it for the next crew, you know. <laughs> and it makes it fun. It makes it interesting. Another way is like doing something like a pocket. I think Sister Jeannie's got a pocket sort of thing down there. I don't know if it's for memory verse, memory verse but putting, scrambling and putting the different words in a different pocket. And they have to take it out and put put the right word in the right pocket but if if you can get away from using the chalkboard and as a group saying the memory verse and let them themselves do the reading do the finding you tell them where it's at in the bible they find the verse then they study it out themselves that's them getting it that's them handling the word of god they're learning it Give them a certain amount of time within the classroom. They're going to, you know, if you give them a little bit of incentive, it's not going to be so boring. They're going to be in action. They're going to be actually doing something. See what I'm saying? And then it'll be up here a lot faster than reading it ten times in a row. They won't get it that way. Sister Susan. No, it's not nursery class. The next class up is downstairs. Oh, you mean primary? Oh, primary it would. Okay, a lot of that is, um, yeah, I see what you're saying. What I've done with a nursery class is um, use use the words okay of course with with your age groups you've got a lot shorter of a thing anyway but um but try and use pictures as much as possible beside the, the main words even if it's an attitude like hate or envy or strife or something if you've got something that goes along with that the facial expression of a person that you cut from the magazine you put that above or below it it's going to help them remember that word when they get there even though they can't read so a lot of times you have to use that sort of thing, you know, heart for love, um, yeah, heart for love, or, or, you know what I'm saying, it takes a little bit of time and preparation, but, but you can do it that way too. Oh yeah, they do, yeah, 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 that's another real good way, yeah, that's another real good way to memorize with children that can't read is to put a tune to it. And, you know, some of us are more adept at that than others, but if you personally don't feel like that you can do it, go to somebody else that you feel like could and and have them have them help you out. I'm sure there'd be plenty of people that'd be willing to help you out. And that would work real good too. A, a lot of times with kids that can't read, the memory verses are very, very short. Three, four, five words at the most, you know. Sister Angie. Okay, yeah, I disagree with a few of the things from our literature that we've been using, and this is one area. They'll, they use a lot of times, they use some far-off-the-wall sort of verse that an adult has to think about two or three times to catch the meaning. Those little kids are supposed to memorize this. 
they'll memorize it, maybe. They won't understand it. And in, in memorizing anything, I think what we need to do as teachers, whatever the, whatever the memory verse is, first we, through in our study, we need to study it out. We need to understand, and we need to pick out the bigger words that we know is above our age level, understanding and comprehension, and understand... Okay, we're just in discussions. Okay. Um, but it's important that they understand each word that they're memorizing. If they don't understand it, what good is it to them, you know? And depending on your age level, there's going to be a lot of words that they're not going to understand. You're going to have to kind of condense it and, and explain to them, stop. The first, the first step to teaching a, a lot of verses is... You have, say, have it on, on a chalkboard or on a piece of paper or something that you've cut out the, the words and go over each word, make sure that they understand it, you know. And uh, I think with the kindergarten and the nursery classes especially, um, it's very important that you don't try and teach them a memory verse every single Sunday, okay? I don't know if you've been trying to do that or not. The manual gives you a different verse every Sunday, and I think it's the pits. So with the nursery class, even, I would be thrilled to pieces if once a month they would get a short little verse, three or four words long. I think that would be great, because we don't want to have to spend all of our time teaching a memory verse either. Because we'll teach a memory verse, and we won't have any time to spend on the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's important for you to, to keep a kind of a time allotment for that. And so if you find in your class, especially in nursery and kindergarten, if you find that it's just too crazy to try and teach a memory verse every week, then don't. Get a memory verse that goes along with that month's theme and teach that. Get that thought across. The main thing is to get that thought across. And if it is a wild and crazy verse and you can't find another verse, use your concordance and stuff and try. A lot of times I've had to do this. I've had to scrap, pitch that verse they gave me because it didn't make a lick of sense. It did to me, but it w I knew it would never to my Sunday school class. wouldn't make any sense. If it don't make any sense, there's no sense in teaching it because they're not going to understand it. And then you've taught nothing. If they don't understand it, you may as well have not even taught it. Okay? So take the lesson aim... The thought you're trying to get across, and usually with one or two words, you can find in your concordance a verse that will go along and will make some sense to your age level that you can pick out a segment of and teach those children that part of the Bible. If you have a struggle with it, I'll, I'd be willing to help you. I'm sure there's others, you know, in the church that you could go to for help and just ask their opinion and their, their guidance. Because it is a struggle sometimes in that. Sister Jane. pretty important. Well, they were using it as a review. Sometimes they do put in review questions, but they usually label them as review questions, I think. They didn't. 
Oh, really? That's the way they work on review questions? Mm-hmm. 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 So what that is is review questions, I guess. Um, they're trying to tie it all together. See, that's another thing. You as a teacher, don't feel like that you've got to be stuck to that manual completely and do every single thing that they have in there. Number one, they have too many things in there for you to use them all. The reason they do that is because every single teacher is different. And they realize that one way you might like, another teacher might not like that idea. And so they try and give you a, a plentiful amount of them so you can pick and choose. You know, if you feel like you're going to have to use, all, use them all, you're going to run out of time. This won't be any way. And that'll make you frustrated. You're going to have some new upbeat ideas, some new motivations, so that you're, so you won't have so much of that. The main reason why we have that kind of thing in our class, of course, every everybody's got a bad day. I mean, everybody's. I have bad days. Everybody has bad days, right? Um, and your kids are going to have bad days. Sometimes going to be all of them have a bad day at once. <laughs> you know, just hope you're in a good mood. <laughs> but it is going to happen when you're just going to have a chaotic day, but it shouldn't be the rule. What usually brings on a hectic, out-of-control classroom situation is the teacher is either ill-prepared or ill-versed in the subject or doesn't have enough things prepared to keep their attention and time, you know, to take up the time. Um, or there's, you know, if it's a story and you're having trouble during that, then you're not making the story lively enough by no means. Um, I hate to say this, but in the last few Sundays, it's been about what? March, April, May. About three, almost four months that I have been consistently going down in the Sunday school area. There have been quite a number of times that I have seen teachers reading part of the lesson, if not almost all of the lesson. You're not going to keep their attention doing that, let me tell you. You're not going to keep any of it. Even if you got a visual aid with the lesson on the back of it, you're not going to keep their attention doing that because it's boring. It's very, very boring. You're going to have to learn how to tell an exciting story. You're just going to have to do it. Um, a lot of action, a lot of gestures. Um, just going to have to do it. That's part of teaching, you know. And as far as, as like, projects and, and memory verse, anything that you incorporate within the, that, that day's lesson needs to be exciting and time-consuming, something they have to think about so that they can't think about other things, you know. If, they're, if it's so easy and big deal and, you know, they don't have to think about it and they don't have to work to get any answers and they don't, they won't learn anything and you won't have their attention either. You'll have a whole lot of trouble. So to keep all of that down, you need to make it exciting and as varied as possible. But I think, you know, that's what we're, that's why we're covering all of this is just to help take care of those kind of things. But then you're always going to have a bad day, so be ready for it. It's, it's good as a teacher to, to over-prepare. It's better to over-prepare and not get it all in than it is to under-prepare and, you know, always have an extra activity. Um, and as far as activities, we're going to get into that in a different night, but I'd just like to say um, when you're preparing activities, it's better to have an ongoing project than a today's take-home, put in the trash 
paper. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean a whole lot if the kid is just going to color or something. I mean, Shanna colors at home. You know, um, if if your kid is, I don't know, the different age level, so I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I don't mean to pick on the nursery class at all, but, you know, there's every age level has got their thing that they kind of just do because that's where they're at, you know. Do something different so that what they do in Sunday school isn't monotony to them. It's something that they wouldn't necessarily ordinary, ordinarily do anyway. You know, a project, a group project, um, a collage, a um, Making something for their mother, doing something other than making something even is fun. Sister Lowe, painting with paste, with scissors, and there's only one lady in there, and then a few mothers that want to stay, and it, there's usually 20 kids anyway, you know, and there's probably not any more than four or five adults, and it's fun. It just depends. Susan has a, a bucket of water for them to wash their hands if they get all messy. She has a roll of paper towels, you know. Everybody has their own little cup of glue with a little ear swab to use the glue so they're not pouring it and squeezing it all over everybody. They have blunt end scissors, the things that are going to be put together instead of handing them a whole thing of yarn. The yarn is cut into separate strips. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their own little, th their things for their project and there's the model one up on the wall so a kid can't reach up and mutilate it before it gets copied you see what I'm saying then with two or three kids in the nursery or, or kindergarten class there's no reason why you can't do a lot of fun neat things with your kids absolutely no reason and you're and it won't be just take home throw away it will be their creation it'll mean a lot more to their parents too a whole lot more They can make Goliath's sword. They can make Saul's armor. Um, what's some other things? They can make a wig, Samson's wig, out of yarn. That's something that they can play with for a while, you know? And for a younger class, that's a lot of fun. That They're role-playing. That gives them props in their play at home because they'll go home and play it. You know, they'll act it out. Give them something to take home to use as a prop for their play. And if you've told the story vividly enough, they're going to go home and understand enough to tell it to their family and friends. They will, believe me. <laughs> they, I know they will. Sister Jeannie. in the classroom. I think it's a super idea. It makes them feel proud. Their thing is up there for inspection. You know, everybody can see it. It makes them feel good. I think this is touching on the walls, and I haven't really said anything about it, but I think the walls, you guys are very, very good students. <laughs> very excellent students. Um, what was it, the first or the second seminar that we did when we first came here? Just kind of getting the Sunday school system rolling. It must have been when we first moved into the building. And we talked about walls and we stressed walls. And I particularly, that's about all I touched was decoration, how to do this and how to do that, and, and color schemes and patterns and bulletin boards and all of this kind of do's and don'ts. And you've got it up here and you do a wonderful job. You really do. I mean, super. 
Brother and I never feel embarrassed to bring someone to our church and take them down to the Sunday school department. We just don't because it always looks so nice. But I think we taught it too well because what has happened is that it has been pushed and it's not any of your fault. It's not, I'm blaming on us, I guess. I'll put it right here. <laughs> we just taught that without teaching this too because we're trying to structure everything and you can't structure everything at once, I guess. But you put so much time and energy in your walls that a lot of times you don't have any time and energy left for anything else, like thinking up projects that are neat in front of your class or thinking up Bible memory verse games. It takes thought and it takes time. It takes as much time or thought of that as it does doing your walls. And so if all your time is going into your walls, then there's nothing left for preparing the lesson, for preparing the Bible story. You know what I'm saying? So what I tried to get across through the past seminar was the importance of keeping the walls very simple. Okay? What I've seen is it's beautiful. But I go in there and I think, how in the world do they have the time to do all this? And then I get some teachers that say, Sister Strut, I don't have time for anything. My Sunday school takes all the time. And I think, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> it would mine too. <laughs> because you have detailed it so much. And every teacher usually has one or two walls that she's required to do. You know, the, the lead teacher kind of initiates it. And, and you work it all out amongst yourselves and you get your walls done. But the walls are so detailed, and especially for like the nursery and kindergarten ages, there's so much on the walls they can't grasp it all. You know, it is better to use one big figure, whether it's a simple tree, little, okay, it doesn't have to be life size, little, because it'll be big to them because they're smaller. A simple tree on the wall with one little branch and an owl sitting on it. And the owl is saying something with a border all around it, you know. Or a clown, depending on what the season, depending on what you're using. If you're using circus, then and maybe have a big lion over here jumping through a fire hoop, you know. And the lion's saying something. Or there's a caption over it. It goes with the lesson themes for that month or quarter. And over here you might have clown juggling balls and on each ball is a different thing whether it's an attitude that you're working on those attitudes the fruit of the spirit you know whatever it is that you're working on there can be enough balls for each one for each sunday anyway you know of that month or quarter and so that can go along with it um keep it simple when we when we get all these flowers and the gaudy borders um, and a lot of things on each wall, it's too much. The kids cannot comprehend it. It takes so much of your time, and it's too much. The walls are supposed to be teachers, but they're not supposed to teach at all. You know what I'm saying? Leave some for you to teach as the teacher within the classroom. Keep it simple. The more simple... And the less things you use on the wall and less detail, the easier it will be for them to get the message and understand it. And it won't be cluttered when they walk in the room. And Sister Angie, I think, mentioned using a tablecloth on the nursery table. 
I noticed that and I think it's a problem because it doesn't work. If something doesn't work, fix it. If it's broke, fix it. If it's not, leave it alone. It's great. <laughs> but if you got a problem, analyze that problem, figure out why, fix it, change it. You don't have to have a tablecloth on that table. Somebody put contact paper on it. That was the number one problem. It's got contact paper on it. It have to be stripped off and then painted. Yeah. Go for it. Try it. No, it's not. No, it's not. Go for it. But evidently, it's. Not. I just wanted to point out, because you had mentioned that as a problem, and any little problem that you have, just using that, that as, an, as an example, pinpoint it. Don't let it keep being a problem. Take care of that problem, and then go on. Because after a while, if you don't start taking care of problems, it's going to be a lot of problems, and you're going to think, I don't like Sunday school, and neither will the kids, because you're going to feel out of control, and you will be, Sister Jerry. Absolutely. I would, right, not to destroy. Right, 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 right. And that's, especially nursery, kindergarten, nothing done in that room should really be a hands-off. That's not fair. That's their Sunday school classroom. That's not a morgue. It's not a jail for the day. It's not a pen where you're keeping them tied up to a leash. Don't touch this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, if you have a snack, build a shelf or do something to keep it out of their reach or, or fix it so that it's kept in the Sunday school office until snack time. One teacher is is designated for that week to go and get the snack when it's just about snack time. And she can set it up real quietly at the very end of the session that you're just getting over with. So you don't have a problem of bottles and jars and things under this and things under that and things on top of this and clutter. The only thing that should be on those tables is what you are actually involved in at that moment. shouldn't be purses of the teachers, um, coats and, and your Bible and your Sunday school book and all your paraphernalia. shouldn't be that. Put it in the, church, the Sunday school office. That's, that's a real good place for it. They'd have to be. They'd have to be cut. You have to do that. I don't know. You'd have to ask Brother Strong. Brother. Well, you wouldn't want to use it. You wouldn't want to use it to teach. I don't know. I don't like that. The reason is, um, number one, it's messy, and it's hard to get the residue off. So if they put their elbows on the table or the arms of their dresses or whatever on the table, they're going to get residue on it. Um, it you know, you're not always going to use white chalk. Sometimes it's going to be colored chalk. And also, it's just, I don't know, I don't like it. I think we need to be more creative and really be on the ball so that we do always have something. If we make it a priority and we don't have an easier way to go, then we'll have to stick with good old solid fundamentals and make sure we're really prepared, you know. I know a lot of these areas that we're covering are kind of hitting right here because I've been down there enough to see and to know, and that's why we're covering them, basically. When, when Brother Leroy asked Brother Strout and I to do the seminar, I said, well, Lord, because he was just wanting the basics that we taught before, and I said, that's not a need. <laughs> it is not a need. You guys know it enough to teach it yourself. And and then some. I said... I, I myself had sensed a lot of needs in the Sunday school. 
um, even before that time, but once I actually got down to the Sunday school, I saw a lot of areas that were very rough, um, not faulting you at all. That's what teaching's all about. Most of you have never taught before now, you know, um, and and most of you never sit in a, on a Sunday school class of your own age or anybody else's to, to even get ideas and know how to do it. So that's what this is all about. So I've just been making notes weekly, um, trying to get in and see good points that's being done and bad things that are just not working and filter through to see what is really, really needful. And that's why a lot of these areas, I almost cringe when I say it because, you know, I can almost look you in the eye and feel for you and with you because I know that there are areas that you feel very, very insufficient and you're not prepared, you're not armed in these areas at all. And I feel with you. Um, but that's the whole purpose of it. You know, Sister Susan. our feelings right here on our shoulder and feel like, well, I'm the lead teacher. If I, wasn't, I, if I was put in this position for some reason, I should know best. But you don't always. You need to have a teachable, humble spirit so that if a helper comes to you with a problem, that you're able to discuss it, not just pass it off, but discuss it. That's your responsibility. That's part of your responsibility as a, as a lead teacher is to be able to work with your other teachers. And as far as the helpers, if there's a consistent problem and you've tried two or three times to talk to a lead teacher about it and it's an unresolved problem, it's causing conflict between the two of you, uh, if it's a personality conflict, if you feel like she doesn't have a burden like she needs to, that might be your own personal opinion because she may be, that may be her. You know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of things, but there needs to be open communication between the lead teacher and the other teachers. Then if it's just unresolved, it needs to go to Brother Leroy. And if it's taken to Brother Leroy and a few weeks pass and nothing's done about it, you need to personally go and see Brother Stroud about it because it may have stalemated in the thing. And Brother Stroud's given it prayer, fasting, and a lot of thought, but hasn't come up with any solution or thing, or it hasn't made its way back through the ranks yet. The best thing then is just to approach Brother Stroud. Don't feel like that Brother Leroy is going to feel bad because I went behind his back because that's not the way it is either. He's not where the buck stops, really. The buck stops right in there or right up there. <laughs> but who had their hand up? Mom or need or whatever at school and conference. But every interaction with another person is an interaction with another soul. You don't see him as just a human being, but you see it as a soul bound for eternity. And that's the way we should walk. Our daily life should be in that frame of mind so that people aren't just people. They're souls bound for eternity. And we need to pray that the Lord would, would deal with us in this area. And also in prayer specifically pray for your class each child individually and pray for the needs that you know they individually have and ask the Lord for a deeper burden and an anointing that would come upon you through the burden and the Holy Ghost as you teach that class because through an anointing the word of God goes deep and the Lord can say things that need to be said instead of just thoughts that have come to you, you know, in your preparation, it can, it, if it's, if it's taught with an anointing, then the Lord, the word of the Lord will, will go forth with an understanding to the students. 
Um, number two is gathering of information. What this is really is your study time. A lot of times we go directly to this particular spot. We bypass prayer, and a lot of times we don't touch a lot of these other things that I'm going to be going through tonight. We, we basically go to study time, and we might make an outline of what we're going to do in the class, like minute by minute sort of thing, and we might gather together a few visual aids, but everything we're going to see how it really works if you have a flowing structure to it and a guideline. Um, in gathering your information, okay, first I would like to say that there is a big difference between a lesson and a story, okay? I know through conversation with some of you teachers that probably in your own mind you realize that really. But when it comes to putting it all together, it's hard to separate it in your minds. I've just noticed that from some of you. Um, the story is part of the lesson. The lesson is what takes place from the time the first student enters until the time the last student leaves. That whole hour, hour and a half, whatever you have for Sunday school, that's lesson time. Everything that is incorporated within that time span is part of the lesson, or it should be. The lesson is what I'm trying to get across to them. What am I teaching them today? That is the lesson. So in preparing that, you will probably prepare a story too and have a story time. But so will you have memory verse time. Um, so will you have worship time and consecration time. So, so will you have an activity time and interaction time and all of these other little things that we put into a Sunday school class to make, a, make up the time. Um, but the lesson itself is what am I trying to get across today within this lesson? Um, and so when you start to study, taking your manual, the first thing is to find out what I'm trying to get across today. <laughs> and, and go to the Word of God. They usually have a text scripture. They usually have a memory verse scripture. And you should be able to go to both of those. And, and a lot of times um, they will take, if it is a particular story, they're taking this story to bring across a certain point. Say the Good Samaritan will take that. Your lesson has got the scripture text would have the verses leading you to read about the Good Samaritan in the Bible. Okay, And then the memory verse might not be in that scripture text at all. It might be something else about love one another or, or some other sort of scripture that would be along your child's age level and understanding. Okay, you follow me so far? So that's where we're at right now, Good Samaritan. So you turn into the scripture and read the story about the Good Samaritan. Another good thing is that every teacher should have at least one, preferably two or three, different volumes by different writers of children's Bible storybooks. Now, I'm t teaching this on the elementary age level. Actually, it doesn't hurt for the, the youth either because you get a varied... Um, variation of ways of telling it, um, different approaches when you do this sort of thing. Um, it helps your imagination because every writer, some Bible storybooks Shanna has, they go exactly by this scripture, you know, but there's a lot of others that uses a little bit of imagination. Now, they're not off the wall, you know, but they're creative in their thoughts, and that helps me a lot of times to be able to relate in my own life 
you know. And so if it does, if it helps me, I'm sure it would help the children too to be for you to be a little creative in it. Put it down to where they can really understand it and um, where it means something to them. So reading it from the Bible, reading it from any other source that you can, and then not only reading about the Good Samaritan, but seeing what other scriptures that you can find personally through study, and study helps, on that, partic- on that particular subject, period. Okay, if, it, if the lesson aim is love thy neighbor as thyself or whatever, find scriptures that go along with that so that you'll have some more scriptures to give to the kids. And you'll not only be telling a story, but you'll be telling a thought. Okay, because the, the goal in the lesson is not to tell a story, it's to get across a thought. And so if we, are, if we go to Sunday school that morning and we, our goal is to tell a story, that's all we'll do is tell a story. But if our goal is to use this story to get across a thought then we won't just use that story. We'll be able to incorporate. And as you, you, as you start using this sort of, of approach, you'll begin to incorporate a lot of other things and a lot of other scriptures and a lot of other um, areas of the Word of God into that lesson besides just that particular story. You'll be surprised at how, what a difference it makes. And, and you'll also be surprised that the Lord see will be able to, to direct you a whole lot better. And you might find that some particular lesson, that particular story is not really going to fit. You just don't feel it. I'm sure every single one of you have gone through that. I have. You, you know, you read the story and you know the, the concept and the thought that is needed to be gotten across. And you think, well, Lord, I really don't feel this. It's just you feel uncomfortable with it. You don't know how to put it across. And and we've all come to those points in time. But if you're using this concept where you're not just trying to tell a story, but you're trying to get a thought across, then the Lord's going to be able to guide you into his word to find another setting in another place in his word that you and he, he is wanting you to use this other setting. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Because the same thought will be gotten across. It will not conflict with, say, the craft or the project or the memory verse or anything because it'll be the same thought. It'll be the same line. Even if, even if, say, the craft was something about the Good Samaritan, the same thought, and you used another story, okay, the same thought would be identical, so the Good Samaritan would blend right in with it, and it wouldn't matter. You see what I'm saying? The thought would be the same. So that's our, that's our goal, is to teach a thought and not necessarily just a story. But we do need to study um, scriptures on the subject itself and on the story so that we really know it. The more you know, the more confident you'll be. Um, if you only know the story, then that's all you'll teach. But if you know the subject, then that's what you'll teach. And it'll flow from you and you'll really feel excitement in it as you go. Because you won't be so confined. And if the kids start asking you questions about that subject versus that story then you're going to be able to quote some scripture to them and give them something to hang on to. If you only know that story, that's all you're going to be able to give them. And you'll be very confined. But, but let your mind be expanded in the Word of God and the Lord will be able to use you a lot more. Know the story enough that you can see it and feel it. You do need to know the story well enough that you, as you tell it, in whatever means that you're going to tell it, whether it's flannel graph, um, whether it's a skit, whether it's a sandbox sort of story, um, whether it's an outside nature hike story. I mean, you, there's all kinds of ways to tell a story. Whatever means that you have 
of telling the story that day. Let it be real to you. Know it. Understand it all. Understand the characters. Understand why they did what they did so that you can explain it to the kids instead of it just being a flat thing of, well, they did this. Well, why? How did that fit into the plan of God? You know, because because in our everyday life, sometimes we, we sit back and we see and we analyze our own lives as just living. But even in our everyday life, the things that happen to us don't just happen. They're in the plan of God, just the way that things in the Bible were just the plan of God, you know, and the Lord works through our lives and works through situations that come upon us to, for a purpose. It's all for a purpose, for our growth in Him. And so the children need to understand that the Lord has always worked in people's lives in this way and that life isn't just life, but that it is for a purpose and that everything that happens to us is for a reason so that they can they can relate to biblical characters as real-life people. It's so important um, that they had needs and that the Lord knew and, and led them in difficult paths because they're going to walk in difficult paths sometimes too and not know the answer, not understand why they're walking that road, and they need to know that the Lord's there. You need to understand the customs of the time of this story so that you can relate and answer some of the questions because the customs of biblical times, even Old Testament, New Testament, and all, everything in between, there's a lot of difference. Um, it wouldn't hurt you as a teacher to, to study out a course on, on Bible lands and customs so that you're familiar with a lot of the customs and the things of Bible times. Um, it'll help you in your lesson prep preparation. It'll help you in your own Bible study time because you'll understand. It'll help on unravel a lot of mysteries that you've never been able to understand because you didn't know where they were coming from when they were when all of this was happening and all of this was written because it's definitely not 1989 material you know and if we don't understand the times then it's hard to piece the puzzle together so it's very important meditation or thinking about the lesson is the next step that's very important the way I like to do it um, anytime I'm going to teach anything I like to have enough preparation time and study time to get everything together a few weeks ahead of time, at least one week ahead of time, okay? So, I mean, this isn't always possible, but at least one week ahead of time. So that you've got it down on paper, you've got it all in your mind, and then you've got three, four, five days to think about it, think, meditate on it, pray about it every day. Um, the Lord will usually give you more thoughts concerning different different aspects of it, you know, and you'll have to jot down more notes and fit it in where you <laughs> where you thought you had everything completed. But that's what it's all about. That gives you and the Lord time to really smooth the rough edges. It gives it time to get up here and in here because you're praying about it. And also during that meditation, length of time to go back over your notes completely from beginning to end and, and read through them one or two times during that week um, so that you're really familiar with it and um, so all your thoughts are really together. That way when you get up to teach you don't have to have your notes necessarily in your hand. You're not going to need your manual anyway, right teachers? <laughs> the manual does not belong in the classroom, it belongs at home or in your supply box. You should come to class with your Bible and maybe a piece of paper with, with an outline for that day's schedule and that's all. And everything else needs to already have been stored up here and in here. And your burden is going to carry it through with the help of the Lord.
But meditation time is very, very important. Number one, reflecting upon the information you've just obtained. Think it over. Think about each student and their individual needs. This is very important. Within the meditation time, you'll be able to reevaluate what what you're going to put across and think about each one of your students individually and how is that going to interact with their life and their needs. Is there somebody in particular that this particular thought is really needful in your class? Is there one of the kids that's really going through something that this is going to help them and what and in what way? Because we do have that goal in mind. Um, another time to talk with God and ask for His help in relating the message to the students. That's all in meditation time. Then become inspired and be enthusiastic. There's nothing worse than seeing a bored, unenthusiastic, negative, um, overstressed, I don't know, just kind of she's he or she has had it <laughs> with Sunday school or whatever. You know, they're very unenthusiastic, unenthusiastic. They don't have a burden. There's no punch. They would just assume somebody else came in that morning and did it for them. <laughs> you know, and we all get to that point at some time or another. But we need to be inspired. If we're not enthused, our kids aren't going to be either. They're going to be wishing they were someplace else. So that's when their minds are going to wander, and you're going to have a lot of problems with them, a whole lot of problems with them. Because if you're not there, don't expect them to be there because they won't be. A burden for their souls and the knowledge you have of them personally and their needs should be enough to put an inner excitement within you to know that you and God have another opportunity to help them and guide them through their struggles and to give them some direction for their lives. No matter how young or old they may be, they do have great needs. And and with your prayer time every day, if you're consistent with it and the Lord has really been able to use you and inspire you with a burden... You're going to be enthused. You're going to be inspired because it's going to be like, I can't hardly wait to get there. This, the Word of God is going to burn within you. You're going to feel like the preacher before a Sunday night message, you know. He just can't wait. God has given him a message, and that's the way you're going to feel. God has given me a message, and I can't wait to teach it to him. I know it's a need. I know that the Lord's going to use me. I know it's, I'm going to see lives changed by it. And you're going to be excited. And through that excitement, it's going to rub off on the children because they're going to feel your excitement. They're going to be excited. And your whole class is going to do an about face. And you'll see a great, great change. It is exciting to, to teach children. I think it's more exciting, a lot more exciting <laughs> to teach children than it is adults because they're so moldable. And there's, it's so easy to get them excited. And it's so easy to use their imagination because they really have one. And they use it all the time anyway, you know. So you can do so much more with children. And, and they're, they're just very excitable. And they're a lot of fun. And they, they interact with you a whole lot more than like an adult or even a youth group does. They'll just naturally interact with you. You can start in on any little tangent and they follow. They'll pick it up like that and they'll follow you. And it's, it's fun as a teacher to be followed because you are supposed to be the leader. And a lot of times if you're not being followed, that's when you feel really like, what's going on, you know? Um, so it is it's wonderful when you can feel the burden and the action of the Holy Ghost and know that those kids are right behind you. And, and sometimes I've even seen it to the point where where the kids are almost pushing you because they're so excited. It's like, what are we going to do next? What's this? And, you know, and, they, and they come to you all, with all these questions and all this excitement, and it rubs off on the teacher. So it's like a vicious cycle. It's like dominoes, boing, you know, everything goes. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the way it should be. 
that's the way it should be. I think it's exciting when it's like that. I spoke about good notes and an outline a little earlier. Um, what we should take to class with us from what we've gathered as far as our information and our study time, all of those notes should basically be up here. Okay, all of that knowledge should have, should have, you should have had enough time to have meditated on it and thought about it enough that it's really the knowledge is up here. Okay, now I know none of us are Einsteins, I don't think. Any out there, I'm not. <laughs> but we all need notes of some sort or another. Um, and though though we may not necessarily need notes for the actual story, we're going to need notes for the lesson itself from beginning to end of the classroom structure to know which teacher's doing what and what, how things are supposed to flow. And, well, this morning, what, how much time do I want to allow for each sort of thing that we're going to be doing? And you need to have notes so that you know and your other teachers also know what is expected for that particular day. Because if you don't, then you're going to go in there and everything's going to be helter-skelter. You'll take too much time for this project and not have enough time for this other when actually the second or third one was the one that was more priority and the place that you could really bring it and hit it home. So it's very important that you have notes. Um, good notes does not mean necessarily that there's a certain kind of notes that you have to take, a certain pattern or whatever. Every teacher is going to take different notes because you're all different. Um, what you need to remember, sister so-and-so wouldn't forget anyway, you know, and, and vice versa. So every teacher's notes is going to be totally different. The whole idea is that you do need notes. You do need something to structure you, so to keep you within a certain confines that you know what is going to be going on. And just tuck it away in your Bible. Maybe, maybe have it in your Bible where the memory verse is or something like that. And I would like to say just as this, it's very important with the memory verse that you not just have it pre prearranged and on a board someplace. Okay? And that's the only time and only place the kids see that memory verse. They need to actually read it out of the Bible to know what's in there. It, is, they, it does need to be on like a game board or whatever, however you're going to put it across for them to learn it for that day. But they, they personally need to dig it out for themselves. You need to give them book, chapter, and verse, and they personally need to um, be able to dig it out for themselves. Now, the younger groups are not going to be able to do this, but at that age, when they can't read, it is still very important that the teacher open her Bible and read it from there instead of off of a piece of paper. We need to get across to the children that the Word of God is the Word of God and that it is where we get our guidelines for living in daily life and not a piece of paper or the, or the teacher's manual. The Word of God really needs to be handled in this classroom. Um, don't get into a rut with a classroom schedule. Now, this is one thing that is so easy to do. We do it in church. We do it in anything in our life. In a daily routine at home, you can get into a rut where you're always doing the same thing at the same time and, and that sort of thing. Um, it's good to have a schedule, but it needs to be a diversified schedule. Otherwise, you you're, you live a boring lifestyle. And the children, in the same way, they don't need to know exactly what's going to come next in the classroom. One day, uh, maybe the pre-session time from 9.15 to 9.30, or maybe even a little later, 9.35, could be memory verse time. And even though some of the children may not get there till 25 after, if you had another five minutes later on in class period for a little review of 
of the memory verse time. If you use the first part of the class some Sundays for memory verse, let them play some memory verse games. Maybe even review a couple memory verses they've had that month. And nothing even referring to today's memory verse. It's good to get them involved in the Bible. Maybe have just the memory, the verses, like, you know, book, chapter, and verse, a couple of them up on a, on a board or a piece of paper or whatever um, as a focal center and have some Bibles there available in case they don't bring their own. And that's very important. Every Sunday school teacher needs to have at least five or six extra Bibles that you bring to your classroom every single day because there's going to be children that do not have Bibles. Or if they do, they'll forget them. That's not their fault. They're being children. <laughs> I forget mine sometimes, too. So um, we need to be planned for that so that every child does have an opportunity every Sunday to handle the Word of God and to look up these scriptures itself. But um, that's just one way of opening up Maybe another pre-session, you're going to want to have an activity. Have the activity first. Um, have them doing a collage or, or a painting or, or whatever. Maybe, maybe you have some word puzzles or, or um, wooden jigsaw puzzles um, or whatever. Or maybe they're going to make a puzzle. Shanna's made puzzles at the library for um, the Children's Day that they have once a week. There's all kinds of things that you, you can do, but make each Sunday, try and make it different so that they're not coming in and every single Sunday doing the same thing. Every Sunday should be different. Don't get into a rut. Rotate jobs between teachers, too. Um, all of the teachers, I'm going to be getting into team teaching tomorrow night to really explain that in detail, but each teacher should be working on a particular thing for that particular Sunday. And the lead teacher is the organizer to kind of help guide that as to who's going to do what for each Sunday. But you as a teacher, um, as a team teacher, the one that's getting it all together, don't give the same person the same job all the time. Rotate it. Even if it's something that they say they don't like, they need to do it anyway. It's for their building. And if, you know, um, you may feel as a lead teacher that that, particular person is only able to do such and such. Well, maybe they are, but that month make it your goal that in your study time and some of the work time here that you personally get with that other teacher and teach them some steps so that they are able to do, to do that other job. You as the lead teacher are to lead the other teachers. And you are a teacher of teachers. It is your responsibility and job to teach the other ones in your class to become um, good material, knowledgeable teachers that can take over any class and be able to lead it. That is your responsibility, okay? It's not just to tell the other teachers what to do. It's to help build teacher qualities in the other teachers and the helpers, okay? And if you really, if your goal is that in working with your other teachers, you're going to see a great, great deal of production and you won't have to do all the work and your burden will then be shared because as the other teachers feel more confident in all these other areas they're not going to feel so limited they're going to be behind you and you're going to have three two or three teachers that are able to pick up any job in the class and go with it and because of that it's going to add more excitement and you're not going to be so limited and who can do what and what is available for your class. So be aware that you are a teacher's teacher and you need to be building these other teachers to be able to, to be leaders and to have the knowledge that they need to have. 
The last thing for the lesson preparation would be to gather the materials and the visual aids that you're going to need to pr- to put across the lesson itself. Okay. Um, now this goes for every single project and thing that you're going to have incorporated within that week's lesson. Um, Sister so-and-so may be doing the memory verse, so you won't have to worry about that. Okay, that is her part of gathering the materials. Okay, each person is going to have your own thing to study, your own thing to gather materials for. I would like to say this, though. You may not be the teacher that's going to be telling the story today, but you should be just as prepared to do so if the need should arise as the teacher that is preparing to do so. And in, in doing that and in preparing that way, you get yourself into a systematic routine of preparation every single week so that you are ready. And then when you go to class, you're going to share the same burden and thought and intent for that week as the teacher that is telling the story. And so while she's telling the story, you can be right there with her. You can... You can enter in, completely enter in with it, and be able, be able in a lot of cases to add a lot of things. I would like to say in teaching this story, it's very, very effective, a lot more effective than sit in the circle around me and let me tell you a story sort of thing. If there is team teaching, and we'll be getting into this a lot more tomorrow night, but if there is team teaching in the story, because then there's a, there's, you're not limited. You have two or three teachers that are actually teaching the story together or you can incorporate some of the children and that's even better even than using some of the teachers because they love to see their peers up there and it's exciting to them um, so don't be afraid to step out in some of these way, ways know in advance what you'll need this is so important don't wait until the month before the lesson to start getting everything together like um now, I know we get our new quarters, quarterlies, what, two weeks before the actual quarter starts? Is that what it is? If we're lucky. And that's really, it stinks, I think. <laughs> you need it a month before. And um, we are, I think we are going to try David C. Cook literature for one quarter, okay, probably next quarter. And in doing that, I believe we're going to be able to get their material sooner than that two weeks before the quarter starts. Um, the reason I feel like it's so important is because it gives you a couple weeks just to gather your material, to get your outlines made of who's going to do what, who ne- what materials you need, to go to the library, to do research, to get resource material, to get your visual aids, and get all this stuff that you need to teach so that when you and your teachers sit down at your at your quarterly meeting, which you should be having, I don't know if you do, but you should be having, you desperately need it, or there's no way under the sun you can be organized. Um, But if you know in advance so that you can get it all organized as a lead teacher, and your other teachers have their quarterlies too, so they've been able to look it over and know kind of what to expect, then you sit down for your quarterly meeting, the lead teacher couple weeks before the new quarter is going to start gets to hand each teacher a piece of paper with what you're going to which lessons you're going to be involved in and, and in what way you're going to be involved in that lesson so that you know two weeks before the quarter even starts you know everything for the whole quarter 
and you may have to cram a little bit to get prepared for that first week. But there's three of you to cram, and that shouldn't be a problem. I've had to cram all by myself for a whole quarter, and that's scary. But three teachers sharing the load shouldn't be a problem, especially if you back off on some of this wall preparation and do what we were talking about last night. Instead of such detailed, intense wall preparation, do more simple, larger sorts of structures on your wall. Keep it simple. It won't be so detailed. It won't take hours of your time. Um, and you'll have more time for the actual lesson and story preparation. And you'll see a big difference. You'll, have, you'll be able to breathe a little easier, number one. Your children will, will notice the walls more, number two. They'll get the message from the walls, number three, because they won't have to stand there for ten minutes and decipher them. And like I said last night, I am not ashamed in any way, shape, or form to take somebody down in our Sunday school department. I think it looks great, and it's wonderful. And last year, or the year before, it was probably two or three years ago, and we actually taught the seminar, and I taught all on decoration and how to do this and stuff. I think I overdid it because <laughs> you guys got the message and more. You've, you've been doing great, but, it, but it's almost been, it's been too much in some classes because you have, you have even voiced and verbalized your frustrations to the point that, hey, all I'm doing is doing my walls. Well, that tells me there's a great big imbalance because the, the story and the lesson preparations should be where the priority is, not the walls. Though they need to be presentable and get the message across, we've got to have our priorities in order. So be organized. Be versatile. Don't get in a rut. And be prepared. Above all, we have to be prepared. And the only way we can do that is through prayer and asking the Lord to help us, through getting our literature in time, and for the lead teachers to be lead teachers, exactly what your title is, and to, and to be there to get it organized, to get it ready for your teachers so they're not having to cram at the last minute and feel frustrated. So if we're all prepared then we can all do a real good job. And I want the Lord to really bless us. I want, again, to thank you for the turnout. And Brother Leroy.